Hi, I'm Ellen Newhouse, and welcome to Heart and Soul. Are you ready to live a soulfully inspired life? If you are ready to dive deep, get seriously honest with yourself, and learn to trust your deep wisdom, then this is the place for you. I'll be sharing unfiltered stories from my own life and those of many other courageous, creative entrepreneurs and transformational leaders who have dug deep inside themselves to heal, honor their amazing wisdom, and dare to take inspired action. No more sitting by the sidelines wishing for a more satisfying life. It's time for you to become the person you have always dreamed of being. Have a career and a life you love. Join us each week to be spiritually uplifted and inspired into action. And oh yes, I'll be giving you homework to get you moving closer to your dreams. Welcome back to Heart and Soul. I'm your host, Ellen Newhouse, and today, oh my goodness, people, we have a very amazing woman named Sarah J. Stevens. Sarah is a professional speaker, real estate coach, realtor, and professor who empowers people to fulfill their financial destiny. A seasoned investor with successful career in real estate and business, Sarah is passionate about inspiring women to build a financial future that supports their vision of success. An outdoor enthusiast with a love for running and water sports, Sarah lives in Ontario with her wife and twins. Sarah has honors, physical and health education degree, and her Master's of Business Administration from Laurentian University in Sudbury, Ontario. Sarah believes that the true marker of her own success is being able to live the life she has always dreamed of with the freedom to travel around the world, spend quality time with her family, and serve others in achieving their vision. Sarah, good afternoon, my friend. Oh, what a joy to have you. Thank you, Ellen. I'm so pleased to be here with you today. And uh, it was nice chatting with you before we uh, press record. So I'm excited for uh, what we're going to speak about on the podcast today. Yes. <laughs> and for all of you who are listening, who didn't have the little insight into my conversation with Sarah ahead of time, I'm going to be completely transparent. The real reason I had Sarah here is not only does she have an expertise in money, but she triggered the hell out of me with a request that she made about her own podcast and got me thinking a lot about my own issues with money. So today, we are talking about the power of money to heal if you will deal with it. So I am so curious. So I just have this feeling that you didn't just suddenly one day arrive at all of these amazing ideas about money. Did you struggle? How did you get here? That is such a curiosity. That's a great question, Ellen. And you're right. There's a few different incidents actually that occurred, you know, over my earlier years. And I was always short a hundred dollars and probably the most <laughs> <laughs> like a hundred bucks. I'm like, that's know? it. <laughs> 
I literally, I was doing my, uh, my MBA in university and, uh, renting a house, sharing it with some other, you know, friends. And the landlord called me one day, it was July Mm. and said, Sarah, your rent check didn't cash. Ooh, ouch. And I thought it didn't. And I mean, I was dying of embarrassment. So I had to go back over and deliver another check for a hundred dollars because I didn't have a hundred dollars in my bank account when they went to cash it. You know, that was really for me when things changed, you know, that I told myself, I'm not going to live this life. I'm not going to keep being short a hundred dollars. I'm going to change my life and um, created a mantra for myself. You know, I typed it out. I still have it. (laughs) Oh, wow. What was that mantra? It just said, I will be a millionaire. I will be a millionaire. I will be a millionaire. And, and how uh, long did it take before you it became took me a millionaire? From the, from the time I bounced that check until mm-hmm. I was a millionaire, it was probably 12 years. So I was a millionaire by the time I was 35. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Which, you know, nowadays I think we get past that number, right? But the first time that happens, the mm-hmm. first million, mm-hmm. I think is always the hardest. And then you think, well, I wonder if I could make a million dollars in a year. I wonder how mm. many, you know, how many million could I have down the road? And that's why I have the podcast now, Secrets of Seven Figure Women. (laughs) So what I love about you is that you talk about money with such ease and such, oh, without shame. Oh, that's what the word is. I mean, it's such, so easy for you and without shame. And I am like, oh God, she just said that. Like, Like, I cannot imagine saying that the way you just said it. Like for me, it feels like somebody opening up my underwear drawer and finding out that I have some underwear that maybe has some holes in it. And you just say it like no big deal. So did your parents instill this and instill this in you? Like, no, no. You know what it was, Ellen? It was the whole thought around that we need to inspire other people and share our success. Right. Because there's other people out there, you know, sharing their fitness results with us or, you know, sharing other areas where they are successful. And I think for us as women, partly it's been, we either have imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. or we minimize what we've accomplished or we have guilt or shame, Mm -hmm. you know, or all these other feelings around money. But I think really, if we want to, for me, it's important to help other women see that it's possible for them too. Right. Because I, I literally was the person that didn't have a hundred dollars to pay for rent. I mean, that's how broke I was. (laughs) So why do you think we, cause I know you're a professor. So why do you think we as women suffer so much around money? What, what is it? I think it's because it's hurtful. Like I can share another story with you, but when I was, you know, after I had bounced that hundred dollar check, I mm-hmm. went out and got a job because I needed money. Like I, I was so broke. So I actually, um, I basically stopped going to school. I stopped doing my MBA because I didn't have money to pay for rent or food. Or, you know, anyways, mm. um, you get the idea. Yeah. But it's so hurtful. You know, I remember when I was, had a job with this first employer that I was working at mm-hmm. and they offered me an opportunity to move and I'd done great in the sales in the company. I mean, I'd worked at one point, 21 days straight, you know, 14 hours a day, no days off, which I think a lot of women, we do this kind of thing, right? We just, we take it on, right? We want the opportunity and the potential. Mm-hmm. And I remember speaking to the district manager about how much my pay was going to be. Right. And he was offering me less than the guy that had grade 12. And I was halfway oh, wow. done my MBA. And so my partner at the time, now my spouse mm-hmm. said to me, 
you need to go in there because it's not right. And I remember talking to him in this, it was like the small room. It was like six feet by four feet. And I said to him, you need to pay me more money. It's not fair and it's not right. And I, I literally, I must've had that. <laughs> I, know, like I was like on fire. Right. And, and so he agreed to increase my wage. Again, it wasn't matching what that other guy was making who had mm-hmm. less education than me, you know, wasn't traveling around moving and opening new stores at that point is working in retail. But uh, I think it's because it's hurtful, right? I mean, do we really want to know that somebody that is less qualified than us, less educated Mm -hmm. than us, you know, is not working as hard as us, is making more money than us? Absolutely not. No. No. So I I think a lot of it stems from that, you know? Okay, so here we are. We've all gotten enculturated into women make less than men. And we've have more or less accepted it because if, if we didn't, we wouldn't be here. So how do we begin to get out of this cultural norm? We change it for ourselves, right? So we must take our own power back. You know, I remember when I eventually got a job working for a bank and I wanted mm-hmm. to buy a rental property because I knew that that would be a way to move out of the corporate sector, but also make more money, right? Because I, I recognize there's a shortfall here. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting across the desk from the mortgage broker. And I said, you know, I was kind of eager, you know, eagerly right. waiting, like, what do I qualify for? Right. And she said, actually, you don't qualify for anything. Oh, and I said, ouch. well, what do you mean though? I have my MBA. I'm working at a bank like this bank right. and I oh, don't qualify goodness. for wow. a mortgage. Mm. And she said, no. And I said, well, what, what do I need then? She said, you need to make more money. So I thought, you know what? Fine. If that's what I need to do. And I went out and got another job. So I was working full-time at that bank. And then I went out and got a job teaching part-time at the university that I graduated from Mm. and figured out a way to, I mean, as women, we do this, we're resourceful, right? Unfortunately, we're too resourceful because we exhaust ourselves. So do you think, had you been a man, had you been called Sam, that you would have gotten approved for that loan? Well, I probably would have because I would have been making twenty or $30,000 more a year. Ah. Right? So I wouldn't have had to cover that off. But it occurred to me that if I start, instead of putting in the 60 or 80 hours a week into one job, well, if I just put in the 40 or 45, right? And then I allocate that extra time into creating my own financial future, my own financial freedom by investing in myself with another job, with other, for me, it was rental properties, you know, for other women, it might be network marketing, you know, whatever, there's many, Mm -hmm. many options out there. But if I invested in myself and my own companies and my own business, that eventually I would get ahead. Mm. So I have a question. Yeah, ask me. I have a question about that. So, okay. So you, the road that you took is that you invested in yourself, you invested in real estate. But let's say that you're in the corporate world and you love it. You love what you do, but you know that you're not making as much as your male counterpart and you want to make more money. Do you think there's a way for women to rise within the corporate sector and make as much money without having to leave? maybe not leaving the corporate sector. What I did, because I worked in that financial sector for some time, right? I moved over. So I found women that were in leadership positions. Uh, I found other opportunities. Again, I was doing probably more than lots of other people. 
you know, sitting on different committees and networking in different ways and publishing. I remember I published a couple articles in the Risk Management Association Journal. This was Mm -hmm. like years ago. So I did different things to stand out. And then I moved, stayed in the same industry, but moved into different corporations. So, you know, when you get your signing bonuses and it starts to springboard your income. So sometimes we have to do that, right? Sometimes we need to look at how we can, you know, improve our income. And while it's, yeah. Yeah. So Does do that answer th- your question? Sort of. So what I'm hearing you saying is, yes, women can get ahead in the corporate world, but it sounds like in order to do that, they're going to have to change their mindset. Absolutely. And not settle. I mean, there's lots of strategies on negotiation and, you know, but not settling, right? Remember me when I was, I was very young. I mean, I was, oh gosh, I was probably 24. Mm-hmm. You know, having this conversation with this 50-year-old man Right. in the back room in retail to say like, this isn't right. You know, you need to pay me what I'm worth. And I've done this and this and this and this and this, you know, mm-hmm. I think we have to do that sometimes, you know, we have to push. Yeah. So for my women who are listening, who are currently mm-hmm. in the corporate world, who are feeling like, like, am I ever going to get ahead? Am I ever going to really make a huge amount of money staying in the corporate world. I hear you saying yes. However, what are the top three steps that they need to take for themselves to get ahead? I think one is, you know, determine how you are offering something that's unique, how you're standing out. And I'm, okay. I know most women are, right? Right. We have more education. We're taking on, you know, more in the office. I think using your results is also helpful, right? So tracking the results, the projects you're working on, those kinds of things, you've got to then sell it, right? And you have to be confident enough when you go into those conversations and negotiations. And if it doesn't pan out, then you got to look somewhere else to try and, you know, sidestep. I mean, in my experience, I started with one organization, I'd step to another one. Guess who called me back a few years later to headhunt me to bring me back? So then I was managing all the people that I, you know, had trained me before. Okay. So one of the things you said is you have to be confident. And I find that a lot of women, including myself, have not been or are not confident around money. We might be confident in our skills, like in the doing of our job, but I find a lot of women are not confident when it comes to money. What? do you suggest that they work on so that they can feel confident around money? Well, I think part of it is being open about it. Part of it Mm -hmm. is also just setting your goals. If you have low expectations, what you're going to be offered Mm -hmm. is going to meet those low expectations, right? Unless you start transforming those goals and and leveling up. So I think part of it is just saying, you know, this is what I want to be earning. Right. You know, you don't have to know how that's going to happen. And without apology. Without apologizing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an important piece, right? I mean, you go in and you ask for more money in your current job. They say no, which is likely, right? There's always an excuse (laughs) or a reason, right? right? Nobody ever gets the four out of four on the, you know, when they're doing the KPIs on you or whatever, you know, when they're doing the feedback, they don't want to give out the bonuses or the raises. So it's always like, well, you know, we don't really give perfect. (laughs) Right. So, so, so part of it is one you know, figuring out how you can take control in the corporate sector, you know, and, and if you have to sidestep to another organization or another opportunity, be open to that. But two, if you're still struggling with that, 
then make another plan. I work with so many people that are either in the corporate sector, professionals, they work in either communications or media, even lawyers, doctors, et cetera. And they invest in their real estate portfolio. Why? Because they also want to make sure that there's a backup plan, right? Even physicians, same thing. So I have a huge portfolio of professionals and they're looking at the same thing. You know, a lot of women, they do love what they're doing right? They don't want to be necessarily a property manager, you know, talking to the tenants every day. But the reality is you can make another plan for yourself so that it it allows you, there's no ceiling there. Nobody's going to tell you there's a limit, right? Which when you start going into business for yourself, then you're in control. Yes. Yes. So one of the things that I've noticed in my practice is that for years, people would come to me, they'd be a VP of Microsoft, a VP Mm -hmm. at Amazon. They were like, you know what? I really want to start my own business. I'm like, great. I was so naive. I had no idea. And then we would start in. And what I quickly realized was that people who generally, and this is a big generalization, but people Mm -hmm. who are generally great in a corporate structure are not great entrepreneurs. Because what I recognized is in the corporate structure, structure, You have the approval coming from the authorities. In order to be an entrepreneur, you have to have two things that I've identified. One, you have to self-approve. And two, you have to love yourself. Mm. Because what I've recognized is that even though these are really, really brilliant people, they were wanting somebody to say, good job, well done. Thank you so much for all your hard work. This is awesome. And for those of us who are entrepreneurs, uh, that does not happen unless we give it to ourselves. And I think it also comes back to different personalities too, Ellen. So when I, when I think about it, certain people are, you know, they're built for, for example, nine to five or eight to six, so that when, when work is done, they're done for the day. You know, they're not getting the phone calls to go deal with whatever in the middle of the night. But I think that's, you know, I (laughs) have lots of stories I can share about that. But, you know, I think it depends on your drive. Where are you going with your money? Do you need to build a safety net? Is there a reason that it would make sense for you to have another financial plan or a backup plan? Mm. I mean, my spouse got laid off and we had, at that point, we had sold all of our investments. Mm. And then we realized, oh, why did we, you know, that's why we had bought all the real estate in the first place. And then got back in. So, you know, I think knowing why you're doing that, you know, why you have your other investments, what that backup plan is, what that strategy is, because it empowers you. If you know that you have options, Mm -hmm. it's amazing how great you feel when you go to bed at night or wake up in the morning. Yes. Because you can choose, right? If you don't want to be in the work environment anymore, you want to change that. And you can literally go in and just say, you know what, I'm done. You know, or I don't need to be working on this project anymore. My kids are more important or my family. Right. And I think that's an important piece that, you know, sometimes people get really dragged in on that, you know, that paycheck to paycheck cycle. And they just, they don't know how they can get out. Right. And I think that that's something that, for example, for me, having real estate as that, you know, side hustle or that side investment, it's allowed one, my wealth to grow exponentially more than I had initially ever imagined was possible. But it's because I'm not the only hamster on the wheel. Right. Right. You've got all your other tenants paying things down for you as the capital appreciation is also occurring. So I have many, many, many hamsters on the wheel. It's just not always me. Mm, Well, that's a good point. So for women who always do too much, (laughs) 
Yes. So you've experienced having two or more jobs. How can women who are in the corporate world and want to have, say, a side hustle, how can they do it without killing themselves? I think it's just being efficient, right? So it's being efficient with your time. So maybe it is saying, you know what, if you're not going to pay me the extra X amount of dollars that I want at my corporate job, then guess what? I'm going to allocate that five or 10 hours a week and I'll make double that, triple that, quadruple that doing something else. And maybe it's using the time in the car when you're commuting. I mean, that's kind of what's, you know, how I started things out. Or as you get better at things, you get very efficient at them and then you can balance things out. I mean, maybe it means you're not watching Netflix and you're (laughs) working for a couple hours at night or you wake up a little bit earlier. I mean, you know, there's just ways that you can, depending on people's lifestyle and what what's happening, because I get people have different commitments whether it's older parents or young children. But I think the the key thing is if you're committed to making it happen and you know what the reason is, then you show up. You know, for me, I did not want to be broke. I will never be in a position that I don't have $100 again. I will not have it, right? And so even for me still, I mean, I don't need to work if I don't want to. I love all the jobs I have, right? <laughs> but I have choice too. Mm. You know, I have choice around it. And I think that when you have choice, that just transforms your mindset as well and how you're showing up. So if somebody feels like, well, I want this, but I don't know what the reason is. Like you said, they have to have a reason. Other than having the experience you had of, oh my God, the embarrassment of of bouncing a check, right? Um, It's pretty embarrassing. Might be a reason enough. (laughs) That might be reason enough, you know? It reminds me of like how bad I felt when I used to smoke and, and, once I was able to quit, all I had to do was summon that, that feeling. Yeah. And believe me, I never smoked again. But let's say you didn't have your experience. Is there any way they could figure out what the real reason is that will really get them up every day and excite them? Yeah. I mean, you know, one might be that they want to be in control of their own money and their own financial future. That could be enough, Right depending on what's happening at work. I mean, I'm sure people have been laid off before, you Mm -hmm. know, or had a boss they don't like, or been in a really bad work situation. They're just, they're not interested in staying, but they have to. Right. Right. So sometimes those things will be enough to drive you. Mm -hmm. Another thing could be, you know, you've got kids. You want to make sure that they're safe, secure, that maybe you're going to pay for their school. Right. Maybe you're trying to make sure your own retirement is put together nicely because pensions, I mean, Sure, we have them, but will they really be there? Will they last? I mean, are you really counting? (laughs) Are we really counting on pensions? So I think there's a lot of reasons. I mean, women that maybe are going through, they're thinking about separating or divorce. I mean, you know, just think of, there's so many different scenarios that women can end up in. Right. And so in order to be more in control, Mm -hmm. I think when you have that financial security and you have that plan going on in the background, it just gives you so much more peace of mind to deal with whatever comes up. Absolutely. Because you can deal with anything. You know, you're, you're like a, a money superhero in some ways. Because it, <laughs> it's like you, maybe, maybe you are sheltering it. Like you have the big M on your chest and you, right. I'm, you know, crossing my arms here. And you're sheltering it, not showing anybody. Mm-hmm. But behind there, you know, because you know how strong and powerful you are. And knowing that, you don't have to tell anybody else about it. But you know, and you have that behind you. So when you need to summon that, all of a sudden that money power behind you can transform whatever you're dealing with. 
Oh, I'd love that. I want to become a money superhero. I love that. I am going to be thinking a lot about this today. So <laughs> something that I came across, Sarah, in your presence, because you have mm. such an ease and grace and pride and humbleness about you around the issue of money. And I know you are a multi-million dollar earner. So one of the things I bumped into in your request and in your presence was an old issue that I thought was done about my fight with my dad around money. So do you find that a lot of people have a lot of emotional baggage that keeps them back or is, is sabotaging them around money? Yeah, I do. And and you know what it is? Sometimes people feel like I don't want to make money because things that we hear, money is the root of all evil. I mean, come on, like who made that up? Right. You know, do you know what women do with money? We give back. Mm -hmm. You know, my spouse and I have donated significantly to our local hospital. We have helped out the local women's shelter. I mean, we give back in so many different ways. And you know what? I think a lot of women do. Because not only do we help our family, you know, our children, uh, our aging parents, if they need it, et cetera, right? Our, not only are we helping our family, but we're giving back to our community, you know, important causes, right? We really do care. You know, we do have that nurturing piece. So I think it's a mistake for women to just to lump all the, the money and wealth in one, in one pocket. I'm not driving around in a Ferrari. And even you know, if you were, I, fine. I mean, whatever. If you want I to mean, do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I invest my money in a different way. So I have right. a bit of a, you know, but it's true. If you want to show up, you know, in a Corvette or, right. or whatever, then that's go for it. Right. But I think that there's a lot of, you know, there's, I don't know whether it's pressure. How do you show up if you're a millionaire? You know, mm -hmm. what are the expectations of you? There's some good books out there on, on different millionaires and different studies. So that's mm -hmm. maybe that's for another day. But, you know, I think it's, you show up the way that makes sense for you. And I think for a lot of women, just knowing that they can use money as that financial backing. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, mm -hmm. like that money superhero, that puts you in a much different position that you can show up how you want, feel in a different, you know, different confidence uh, that right. way as well. And, but you can give back and have an impact, which I think that's where it will probably resonate for some women that think that, that are kind of repelling wealth right. or repelling right. money, but think, where would you spend the money? You know, if you were earning extra money and you did build, you know, for example, there's lots of women that have left, you know, they're leaving their properties or national parks or, you know, parkland, that kind of thing. There's lots of different things that you can think of in your lifetime. What would I love to do? What would I love to give back to? Is there a foundation I want to create? Is there some nonprofit I'd want to start? You know, and so using that power in a positive way. Oh, I love that because that takes money and it puts it in a beautiful context of, mm -hmm. oh my goodness, what would be too good to be true of how you could use all the money that you could make and support causes that you believe in. So talking about that, I bumped into a book and one of the things that she said in this book and right off the bat, I can't think of the name of the book, but we'll post it in the show notes, sure. is that women, as women, we have stood up by marching. We have stood mm. up by raising our voices and it hasn't mattered enough. And she believes that it's time for us to make money as a revolutionary stance. Yes, I believe in that. I believe in that. Absolutely. Because, 
you're right. I mean, my spouse, we live in Canada. She drove down to Washington, D.C. to march on Washington, you know, years back. Right. And I think it is important. I mean, that's as a Canadian, you know, standing up and doing something that's important, even in the U.S. And I think it's true as women. Imagine we all have the wealth and income to support our ideals, to support our vision. Now we transfer that power into a different, we spin things differently. You know, the world transforms. Yeah. Right. This is the beginning. This is the beginning of us, you know, creating our own empowerment, ensuring that we are earning the wealth that we should have or that income, Mm -hmm. and then building that financial security and safety net so that we can then, yes, give back and have impact the way we want because we deserve to have that. Yes. And what I have a vision as you say that is of this amazing sisterhood of women, heart to heart and money to money. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, like I have goosebumps because it's this getting to know you and, and having you challenge me has made me really ponder this whole issue of money. So Sarah, I thank you so much for bringing that into my life and also for bringing your amazing self to all the listeners who are listening to us today. And what would be one challenge that you would have for me and all of my listeners around the issue of money? I would say determine how money could have an impact in your life, maybe in your family's life, maybe in your community's experience. How could money make a shift? And how could you make a shift with money? And once you start to understand and appreciate that there is so much potential and opportunity, I would say then from there, figure out first where you want to give back, have impact, what it would change for you. And then second of all, make a decision that you're going to make a change, you know, for your own benefit, for your own peace of mind, you know, for your own impact. Because, you know, when we have money, we can leave the world with other gifts, right? Imagine if we all left our own special gift because we had the wealth or income to do that because we had extra money to give back. You know, how quickly would things change? Oh, my goodness. You have given me so many gifts. I cannot thank you enough. And I really mean that you touch my heart and soul very, very deeply. So thank you. Now, one question before we leave is, do you coach people on money? Yeah, so I do. I mean, I do. I have helped so many other women become millionaires. Okay, all right. (laughs) You know, help other women deal with, you know, getting rid of their debt and re-strategizing and replanning, looking at different ways to transform their income and then build their wealth. So I've helped many women over many, many years at this point. And I love doing that. I love doing that. Awesome. So if people want to get a hold of you, how can they find you? Sure. Yeah, they can find me at uh, secretsofsevenfigurewomen.com. Awesome. Awesome. Sarah, oh my goodness. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being with me today and all of my listeners. And for those of you who are listening, I will see you next week. Thanks so much for joining me on the Heart and Soul podcast. It's such a joy for me to be with you. I know firsthand how much easier it is to rise when you have community to laugh with, shed a few tears with, and be inspired by. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, go subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast platform. If you have 
any questions or comments, any topic ideas, or you might want to be a guest on my show, please contact me directly at ellennewhouse.com. And while you're there, grab the special resources I have created for you to begin to take inspired action in your own life. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.